Welcome to another episode of Be Now. Um, yeah, it's a show that nothing needs to happen because this presence is enough. And today I have a special guest, Ryan. What is yeah. your last name? <laughs> Friesen. Friesen. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is long overdue. We've known each other for like since met him, yeah? Yeah, like three years or so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are you feeling? Pretty good. Day yeah, off. Fresh coffee. Fresh yeah. coffee. It's a nice day. Yep. Yeah, feeling good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I guess, um, I mean, you're always striking me as someone who like always, like you tell stories very well. And I guess something I always uh, remind you by is your poop stories. Oh, here we go. I, I should have expected this. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, but I guess before we get into that, we may not, may or may not get into it. But um, yeah, like, like maybe talk about your journey as a foreigner, you know, coming to China and like how you found yourself, how you kind of situated yourself here. Right. How I found myself as like a professional poop storyteller. Yes. I like how that's you introduce how you introduced it. <laughs> You're really good at telling stories, poop stories. Specifically. Uh, okay, so, uh, so yeah, I always wanted to live abroad since I was like a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, but I never really knew where, like Asia always attracted me, um, and so after graduated university, I started to like really think about where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. and at that time, I had, I was working at like an insurance company, and I was taking a course in, uh, like teaching, teaching English, like kind of like CELTA sort of thing uh, at my university. And then I um, just like was trying to figure out where I wanted to go. So I was doing a lot of research at my insurance job where I actually like didn't do anything. It was just one of those like temp jobs where I was just like sitting in an office making money. And then like just I was supposed to be doing like data entry, but like I didn't do any work when I was there because it sucked. But yeah, so I spent most of my time like researching like expat forums and blogs and stuff about where I should go and uh yeah I had some Chinese friends in university and they were like yeah go to China and I I had actually been to China before and I wasn't like that into it because it was just like like China's kind of an intimidating country it's so big there's so many people it's Mm -hmm. like very very different so yeah uh I was like well China's a big country maybe I'll look into some more like lesser known places and so my Chinese friends were like oh you gotta go to uh, like Sichuan Chengdu it's like an up-and-coming city uh, it's really cool and like not a lot of foreigners know about it so I was like mm, sounds kind of cool did some research and um, yeah like as you know I'm like really into like food like I love I'm kind of a foodie I guess and yeah I got into like the the whole like Sichuanese food realm deep dive on that and I was like that really piqued my interest and so I asked my Chinese friends to take me out for like a legit Sichuan meal if they could find one in my hometown and they took me to this restaurant and I think kind of like as a joke they were like let's order some spicy like you know duck neck and like you know mapo tofu like ask the waiter to add like extra spice or whatever mm-hmm. um but like i fucking love spicy food so it had the reverse effect i just like really really liked it mm-hmm. and it was like the first time i ever tried like hua jiao and 
you know, so that numbing sensation and it just like blew my mind. And I was like, okay, like I'm starting to plan this. Like I'm going to start looking for a job like tomorrow for Chengdu just for like the food alone, you know, and I didn't know anything else really about Sichuan or Chengdu. Mm. And then, uh, yeah. So then, uh, came here and yeah, basically within my first year, like just really fell in love with the experience, not only for like just Chengdu being the cool city that it is and like the food being really good, but also just that was like my first experience, like truly being independent, you know, and uh, like being in a foreign country, don't know anybody. Uh, yeah, just being kind of like an outsider in this like foreign world. It kind of felt like an RPG game, you know, when you like create a character and mm-hmm. you just like go into the world. That's mm-hmm. that's what it was like. So I was really excited. Everything's new. Everything's new. Everything's, uh, you can ex- just explore. There's so much to explore and discover. So food got, was your key into. Food Food was the key. Yeah. Yeah. And, and food to a large extent still is the key for like why I'm, I'm still here, you know, not so like it's, it's now it's moved on more to like the, the food culture and like the, the tradition of like food and Sichuan. Mm. Uh, that's, what's really interested me. Yeah, like the food itself is good, but also like the story of the food is right, right. Is pretty amazing. Right. So. Speaking of the story of the food, mm. can you remember your first like uh, Sichuan flavored poop? Sichuan flavored poop. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. Fuck, I can. Um, first time I had hot pot. Yeah, uh, went out with some coworkers. Next morning, taking the bus to work. You know classic amateur mistake just like did my regular routine like didn't like wake up earlier or anything like that just was like a regular routine get on the bus go to work and then like my belly started to hurt so much and man i just like got real gassy on this bus and this was in like wenjiang where Mm -hmm. at that time there was no metro there so it was just like really crowded buses if you wanted to go anywhere out west Mm -hmm. yeah and man i was just like letting them go on this bus like silent but deadly on this crowded bus like rush hour in the morning mm. and people were like turning their heads around and like opening windows and stuff and it was super embarrassing and uh, we were looking at them and looking at you. I, I was totally just like you know looking <laughs> at the ground <laughs> yeah just headphones in just like oh my god I hope no one thinks it's me um but yeah then I like got to work and I was supposed to do like a little English corner thing at work and I just made a beeline for the toilet and it was also like you know, I was like avoiding squat toilets for the longest time when I came here, but I had no choice at work. There's only a squat toilet and fuck. Yeah, man, that, you know how that is. Mm-hmm. It was, it was something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Luckily that time I didn't have the kid banging on the door, you know, like in the, in the oh, Indonesia yeah. story, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah. I went to, I think my, uh, I guess most memorable poop story is, uh, reminds me when I was in, uh, in Soda. Yeah, out west, like a Tibetan region. Yeah, like foreigners can't go there anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went there just before that was put in place, that rule. So I went there and um, and we just, so it was the world's biggest monastery at the mm-hmm. time, maybe, I don't know, still is. So we went there and like, I just, I went with my friends and I just really had to go, right? And like all these stairs were walking, just holding it in. And uh, finally we asked someone, we got into kind of the town plaza and asked someone and they pointed to like up, 
the stairway, just kind of pointing in the distance. Mm. And so we kind of went around the bend, kind of finding what's there. And then it's kind of this hut, you know, this like a, uh, and so we go in there and it's just, um, it's like a, just separated cubicles, kind of, like, and squat toilets. And at the bottom, there's a massive bowl of shit under each oh. uh, cubicle, basically, right? Each cubicle had its own, or there was one collective bowl? One collective, uh, oh. yeah, contains all of it, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so you squat down, and you look out, and there's a, you can look through the window of outside into like the Like a plaza. beautiful view, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man, yeah. So it was, like, disgusting, but at the same time, it was so, you can hear birds chirping. Yeah. Know, so... It was just like the worst smelling place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And everyone's like people next view. to you. You got like hearing people. <laughs> it was very, yeah. very, very intimate. Yeah. Oh, that that reminds me. I might have told you this one. Uh, one of my early like Sichuan flavored poos was at a public toilet across from Dufu's cottage, and it was like my second or third time actually going to Chengdu. Like mo- most of the time, I was in Wenzhou, and um, yeah, I just like have to go you know and when you first come here you know there's a period where you gotta like adjust to, your belly needs to adjust to the food whether it's hot yeah, pot yeah. or whatever you kind of need to adjust to the diet and uh yeah i just had to go so I went to this like really crappy rundown public bathroom which uh was it was just like a like a brick hut essentially and i believe now that bathroom is gone i think the government had a big campaign of like improving toilets around tourist attractions like all over china but yeah, so that was like four or five years ago. And at that time, it was just this old school, like one of those where it's just basically like a trough, you know, with like running water going mm. down it. Mm. So you do your business and then like this like really weak flow of water is supposed to like wash, wash everything away. Mm. And uh, like, I don't know if there were supposed to be separation walls, but this one didn't have it. It was just you walk in there, it's like dimly lit, grounds all damp, smells like shit and mold and pee. And yeah, like luckily I was like the only one there. So I was like, okay, hopefully I can just like get my business done. No one comes in and like sees me taking a shit and uh, yeah, and I can just go. But like pretty soon after I started going, like right when I started going, a guy came in and he was like watching a show on his phone. He didn't notice me and he like squatted right next to me. And I think he could sense that I was having a bit of a rough time, you know, just like feeling awkward and whatever, like not very good at squatting, obviously. (laughs) And then he suddenly just like pulled out a pack of cigarettes and just like offered me one. And I was like, yeah, you the man. And I took one and he just like lit it for me. And we just like smoked a cigarette and took a shit together. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah, it was good. Uh, In the end, it was, it was pretty hilarious. Uh, were you guys making noises while you know? Oh man, yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, not like not like like grunting or anything like that, but like our buttholes were, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so you found yourself the story of food, right? Uh, you know, poop stories are often <laughs> so I feel you know we had to touch that base. Um, but yeah, man. So you found yourself with food in a in a very kind of um, deep way, right? And the stories yeah. and also the flavor and all that kind of stuff, socially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so um, so one thing I'm also interested in is how we, how we view growth. What does growing look like as a foreigner or, or a local, right? Being in China, what does growing look like? How have you experienced growth being here? Yeah, four or five years now, yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I think... Probably the most obvious thing is, like I said, when I first came here, I was just so excited about this, like, feeling of 
of pure independence, you know? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I've just like grown as an, just like an adult human, you know, uh, figuring my shit out just, um, yeah, just for like normal daily adult stuff. You mm. Know? Mm. There's that part. I feel like I've grown like significantly. Uh, right now I feel like I'm in a, um, I'm coming, I'm at the end of like a transition period where, um, I've been trying to figure out like balance in my life because I've realized it took me a while to realize, but like balance is super key to just like general well-being, you know? Mm. So balancing things like, you know, your workload, uh, like your hobbies, stuff you want to do in your free time, uh, your relationships, Mm. your socializing, like your, your me time, like everything, you know? So I feel like now I've, I've, I, at least maybe I don't do it in practice, but I know what my balance is. I know what Mm. I need to do, Mm. like roughly how much I need to like do of each thing. You know what I mean? Like how much, how much personal time I need, how much work I can handle without being miserable and stuff like that. Mm. You know, talk to me about me time. Me time is like a big deal to me. Me too. Yeah. Like Wednesdays are usually like my me day, but I'm like, I'm doing your favorite, you know, that's cool. Right now. I'm doing your favorite. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I'm just kidding. Too, yeah. but, but yeah, no, like, uh, I got to at least have one day a week where I'm basically alone for like the whole day yeah. and just in my world. Um, if I don't have that, I feel anxious, like just not right. Yeah. Um, true, yeah. So do you feel it in your body? You feel your mood. Oh yeah, like it, absolutely, know. yeah. yeah. My my mood is totally thrown off. Yeah, like I'll I'll just be like, I'll just be like you know short tempered maybe, uh, not like totally not patient and just kind of in a negative zone I guess mentally. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. yeah. The balance, the balance. Yeah, how it affects your overall well being. Yeah. There's so many things, right? You're trying to balance and things spill into each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And, and like, it's, it's not, it's, it's easier said than done, honestly, to like have balance because like sometimes you just don't have time to do certain things. You know, you don't have time to have a few hours alone Mm. or like, you should be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you got to learn to be okay with that, I guess. Yeah. And maybe that's what the next like stage is for me in my growth is like just kind of accepting that you know i can't always have like the ideal balanced lifestyle that i want to have Mm. and i just got to learn to like deal with that Mm. you know Mm. but uh with my current like work position and stuff it's very um possible you know for me to like just consistently live in this balanced lifestyle so i'm just gonna do it as much as i can Mm. yeah it's a great topic yeah man my one of my 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 friend my sister's husband he's a a surgeon and so you know he's working around the clock basically right and um and so one time i was talking to him about this topic and he was like yeah i'm like because you know he has two kids family working all the time I'm like how do you find balance he's like there's no such thing as balance he's very <laughs> adamant about it you know yeah and i kind of let that sink in okay for him there's no balance and then i was thinking about it and i'm like you know there's gotta be like for me like personally there is a balance somewhere. I'm not sure where it is, right? But mm. like you said, if I don't have any me time for too long, I'm going to feel out of whack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think some people though they're like they're like raised in the a culture of being like you have to be busy and productive like mm-hmm. all the time, you know. And uh, yeah, there's no such thing as balance because you've you've got to be doing stuff you don't like in order to like make a living and in order to be just like a productive member of society. Mm-hmm. Like my grandparents are like very much like that, and it sounds like your friend is kind of like that too, you know. Maybe I don't know. Surgeon is like a pretty crazy job, I mm. imagine. So it just used to the stress, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and maybe for them, like without that kind of stress, mm. they would feel out of whack. Right, you know? they got to have that stimulus all the time. Right. Yeah, that kind of stimulation. I, I've heard like a lot of, especially yeah, nurses and stuff. People in in that work in hospitals when they retire, they're like you know uh, they don't know what to do and they kind of seek stimulation uh but they don't really i mean yeah they just can't find it i guess mm-hmm. um so classic different strokes for different folks kind of right. situation i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so so you had a you had a question you want to throw answer? yeah yeah and actually it's kind of related to this okay. so uh yeah so last night i was thinking about evolution Okay, uh, because I was thinking about my hedgehog. I have a pet hedgehog. Okay. I'm not sure if you know that. And uh, most pet hedgehogs are called African pygmy hedgehogs. So what they're basically like descendants of like the European breed of hedgehog, mm. uh, which are big and hairy and whatever. So spiky. And spiky, yeah. yeah. And uh, the African ones are much smaller. They have a lot less hair. And... Um, they're kind of in a transition phase in their evolution, and it's it's kind of awkward actually, because they're still adapting to like the desert environment which they now live in in Africa, or at least this like the kind of you know pet domestic hedgehogs I guess it's this mm-hmm. variety like from Africa, so they still retain some evolutionary traits from their ancestors like the European hedgehog such as like hibernation, you know, because European hedgehogs, they'll hibernate all winter. Uh, but in Africa, it's like hot. So they don't, the, these like the pet hedgehogs, they, they have the ability to hibernate, but they don't need to. However, their hibernation instinct can get triggered, mm. you know, uh, and they'll die because their body like biologically just can't really like handle it because it's in an awkward transition phase, right. you know. So I was thinking about my hedgehog because it's getting cold now and like my girlfriend and I are kind of worried about like sleeping too much or no, I mean they sleep all the time, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're just checking on and stuff all the time. Make sure he's okay. We're trying to make him warm and everything got a heating pad, but it's like, it's getting colder and colder. And I, like, I know a guy whose hedgehog died like last winter because he, he tried to hibernate, but yeah, it didn't survive. So it's weird, you know, they have the ability to hibernate, but they can't survive their own self-inflicted hibernation, Mm. you know? Mm. So I kind of feel like humans also have something like this Mm. and it's emotions. Okay. And and you're like Mr. Master of psychology, you know, so you might be able to shed some light on like, why do we actually have emotions? And I don't mean like, okay, you know, obviously uh, part of it is like you have to be able to react to certain situations and have a reaction in order to deal with it. 
but like some of our emotions like if you're really really sad mm. you'll cry you'll have like a physical uh symptom you know if you're really stressed out you'll you'll like you get a heart attack over time uh if you feel embarrassed you'll blush you know mm. uh things like that like and at the same time, though, we have the ability to, like, overcome our emotions, you know? Like, if you're sad about something, you can get over that and you can move on. Like, why do we even have the emotion if we already have the ability to, like, overcome the emotion? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. does that, does say that, that last make sense? Part again. Say that last part again. So, if we have the ability to basically overcome any emotion... Mm. Overcome? Yeah, so, like, let's say... If you're, you're sad, let's happy. say your girlfriend broke up with you. You're really sad. Mm. Over time, you will feel happy again. You will get over it. You'll forget about her. Mm. Like back In to baseline. Back to baseline. Okay. Whatever. Uh, why can't we just do that immediately? Mm. You mm. know, why can't we just instinctively be like, I am upset about this, but I'm gonna get over it right now. Boom. Now I'm happy again. Mm. You know, it always there's always like a time thing, mm. and like why do we have mm. these? What's the point of having these? physical reaction reaction like the the one i'm really curious about is like embarrassment like why if you feel embarrassed maybe you do an awkward thing in public you immediately turn red and everybody knows you feel embarrassed like why would you have that trait you know uh like if you like a uh, you fart yeah, yeah. you yeah or like me like shitting next to that guy right. in the <laughs> toilet across from Bruce cottage like i must have been beat red you know, like, what's the point of that? You know, why can't I just like turn off a switch and be like, I'm, I don't feel embarrassed about this. Hmm, just know? invincible to that. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a good question. Big, deep, deep question. Because emotion is something we deal with every day. We either bottle it up or we acknowledge it, experience it, work mm-hmm. through it. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we are like, like the brain is a, is a, is a social organ of the body, right? And it releases all these chemicals for stress, for um, you know, dealing with social situations. Um, so we're social animals. And so when, one thing is interesting, if, if like we're, we're tribal species, right? The way we've survived over thousands of years is our connection with our tribe. Mm-hmm. And that's how we've gotten through, you know? And so if like the feeling of being disconnected, dismembered, disappointed from a group, like, like a heartbreak, for example, it has the same in the in the brain the same chemicals are released as if it's a physical pain right so that same effect that's why you know heartbreaks are never easy because in, you know even though rationally you'd be like okay i'm over it you know she was the right one for me or he whatever you know in your brain on some level on some precognitive level it's still going through that yeah but that's what i mean like like you're you're saying that like this is maybe a mechanism that's coming out of our like tribal history you know and like being social and like that has to do with survival you know uh but now we live in a time where like you don't really rely on a tribe like that like for survival at least Mm. you know like in in china you can literally survive without leaving your apartment you know you can do every you don't even need to talk to anybody you can do everything through an app on your phone order food uh, something breaks in your apartment, just go on an app, you can get someone to come repair it. You know, uh, you can work from home, that kind of thing. A lot of conveniences, yeah. A lot of conveniences. Uh, so what's the need to have these 
what's the need of these emotions, emotions and these responses to like social situations nowadays you know like nowadays, I, right. I get why like why we had them originally but now mm-hmm. it just seems like we're stuck with these emotions so do we still need emotions is that what you're asking Water guys here. Water guys here. Pause. And we're back. <laughs> yeah. The water guy was actually a lady. The water guy was a lady. That's yeah. True. Um. So you're getting hydrated now. Yeah. So you asked, uh, do we still actually do we still need emotion? Like, because we live in yeah. this modern age now with all these conveniences and awareness. Yeah. You could say, but emotions are like an ancient part of us as evolutionary yeah. the reason why we're we have, still here and we have no control over them mm-hmm. you know for the most part mm-hmm. uh yeah it seems like the only way you can like get over especially a really strong emotion uh like something really deeply rooted like like trauma stress that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh yeah like it just takes a long ass time like why can't we just flip a switch and just like not feel that anymore so I guess I mean like negative emotions like why can't we just choose an emotion and just stick with that you know mm. and obviously the ideal one would just to be like happy all the time right um, so yeah it just it just reminds me of like my hedgehog that's like tr- you know he I, I'm not sure if he can control the hibernation thing I think it's just an instinct when mm. it gets to a certain temperature, he's just like, boom, like hibernation time, but he can't get out of it, you know, uh, like he, it's almost guaranteed that he'll die, you know? So to me, it's just like a really weird thing that now our society is so advanced, like the way we live is so convenient. We don't need to rely on each other anymore. Uh, the only reason why we, it seems like we do need to like rely on each other is, uh, for, our emotions to satisfy our emotions to mm. a large extent and also yeah to to just to i suppose survive you know you need to work to make money to live your life and like buy food and whatever but it just seems like it just seems strange to me i don't know mm. yeah it's it, a good question yeah mm. so this podcast so we tried caps at 30 minutes and we're at 26 minutes now Oh, snap. So it's beyond okay. this uh, conversation, but okay, yeah. I mean, a lot of touch points there, yeah. Right. So, like, I mean, one word you said is control. Mm. So if you can be better at controlling how you feel and your stress levels and, you know, balance and all those things. Right. Um, could you recover faster? Is that your question? Like, how to recover faster through emotional I, I feel like I, I don't really have like a specific question just a general curiosity. just just yeah yeah just a curiosity mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I figure because you're you know very this is I don't know this topic seems kind of relevant to your podcast and like kind of what you're doing here so mm-hmm. yeah I don't know just yeah it's an interesting thing man I've been like I was saying earlier like it's uh <clears throat> just how we manage stress is something that I'm obsessed with mm-hmm. because no matter what culture you're in, no matter what stage of life you're in, there's going to be some form of stress. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, how do we sort of become aware of it, adjust and deal with it? Right. Right. And like some people, you know, bottle up stress. That's one way of coping with it. Mm-hmm. And in the short term, it might be good because you can focus on other things. But in the long term, you know, it's questionable. Right. Um, so I'm interested in what are healthy ways of dealing with stress, I guess, you know? Right. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, do you think things like regular exercise and like good diet can really help like combat stress or the symptoms of stress at least? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what they always say, you know, but, uh, I don't know if it's just like propaganda, or what, <laughs> you know, just to get you to buy a gym membership or like right. buy organic food. You know? Right. Yeah. Question everything. But it does release like endorphins, you know? Yeah. 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 In the brain. And, um, and they say there's like studies where like, like someone going through depression, for example, mm-hmm. uh, like 20 or 30 minutes of exercise every day has the same effect on the brain as medication, like antidepressants. Really? So they're the same effect. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Man. So before we close out, um, yeah, any final thoughts for the listeners? Um, no, I, I don't know. Like, shout out to my girlfriend, uh, Fiona, what's up? Love you. Uh, <laughs> my dog, Reyna. Yo, Reyna, how you doing? The hedgehog. Hedgehog, <laughs> Dobby. Yo, just don't hibernate, okay, bro? Just fight it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Good. Well, I hope uh, you continue to have amazing poop stories in the future and yeah you too i hope you continue to have like just great bowel movements yes. and uh yeah just survive to tell the tale you know yeah. all right